It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.07, 78 degrees outside, and I wish to declare success the open mic idea, the open mic experiment, went swimmingly. We had 10 questions submitted to open mic in about 20 minutes, and so we'll play several of those in the next half hour. But and if you have an open mic question, better not put it in right now because I'm not sure we'll have time to get everybody in. But we'll try to get in everyone who submitted a question this morning. And then every Saturday, if we can do this correctly, if Ashley's here and Jason's ready to go, we will put people on the air and uh, let, the use, let them use the open mic way of communicating through the WSB radio app. That was a lot of fun. Honey is in Atlanta with a question, about, or not a question, to update us on the tomatoes. Hey, honey, good morning. Hey, hey, honey, come back to the phone. I'm the young lady that was. I was going to throw away the tomatoes yeah. because they weren't budding, right? Remember? Yep, yep, sure. Okay, so I went outside the other day, and I saw buds. <laughs> <laughs> I told you there would saw, be. And I saw buds. I saw a bunch of buds, and I saw one that actually flowered. Awesome. But I think, like, they're growing really, 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 really tall. Yeah. And they're almost about to lean over my balcony. Yeah, yeah. And I have a stake in them, but I don't know what to do when they start leaning over like that. Yeah, let them lean. You can just wind them around anything that can support the tomato vine and just let it grow. Let it grow. Okay, so you think I'll have a tomato? <laughs> I think, honey, before you're going to have two or three or four or five tomatoes. I think you're going to have more tomatoes than you thought you'd have. Sure, I do. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm so and, excited uh, thank for you. Thank you for your encouragement. I'm so excited for you, honey. I think you did the okay. right thing. Patience paid off in this time. And, and uh, you know, things don't go in the schedule we sometimes predict. And one of the great, I think, pleasures of gardening, honey, is that you sometimes don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if the seed's going to come up. You don't know if something's going to fruit. You don't know if something's going to bloom. And so just waiting and seeing what happens is part of the pleasure of being a gardener, just seeing what happens. Yeah, I was very, very excited. I really, really was. So thank you so much. I told you I'd call you back and let you know how things went. So please you did. Thanks for calling, honey. Okay, you're welcome. We'll see you soon. Okay. We got Jan in Milledgeville. Hey, Jan. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. How can we help? Here's my issue. I have, we have one hydrangea in the ground, one in a pot, and our neighbors have probably six or seven much more mature hydrangeas, our next-door neighbors. None of us got any, <clears throat> any blooms, no, any flowers mm-hmm. this year, and they, last year their, their plants were just loaded with them. Yeah. Nothing. They maybe had a few on one plant. What, what, what do you think might have mm-hmm. happened, or what do we need to do or change? I don't know. Typically, no if, if hydrangeas don't bloom, the typical reason is some damage was done to the flower buds in the wintertime or early spring because they make the flower buds in the previous year. They make them in, well, right now they're making the flower buds for next year. And so right. if you prune any time after the middle to the late part of August, you rarely get flowers because they just all got taken off or didn't get a chance to form. So think about pruning. Did anybody prune hydrangeas during the winter? That's a possibility. Right. Okay, I don't know about our neighbors. If the winter time was really cold one day and the hydrangea had started sprouting out in March, let's say early March, the 
warm weather comes and leaves and buds start opening up. But that night you have a freeze, so it'll freeze the flower buds off. And that's, of course, the end of the story for there, too. So it could be either of those, pruning or freeze damage. But one or the other probably explains why you don't have any flowers this year. What, what do, so what do we do this year that we didn't? So don't prune anymore now. Don't prune. No, no, no. No pruning now. Leave them alone okay. from now until next May when they bloom. Because we didn't have a terribly hard winter here in Milledgeville, no. so that I don't know that that would have done it, but maybe the pruning issue. I don't think we pruned ours, but basically, because ours are, are younger, we I don't think we even pruned ours. Yeah. But So it was something else then. As I told the caller before you, Jan, sometimes the art and the fun of gardening is just not knowing what's going to happen. So <laughs> this right. year you didn't get any flowers. Next year I bet you do get flowers, but for this year at least you get to enjoy the foliage. It's nice green leaves all over your hydrangeas, so enjoy that. They're, they're, they are pretty. I will give them that. Right. Okay, well, thank you. Enjoy what you have, Jan. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we'll see you soon. All right, Jason, let's get another open mic here and see what we can do with uh, Pete and his service berries. Hey, Walter, this is Pete from Ackworth. I have a service berry tree in my front yard, and the leaves are yellowing and falling off now. What should I do? So Pete had that pronunciation of service berry as service berry, which is sometimes I've heard people also call it shad bush and June bush and several other sort of common names for service berry. And the yellowing leaves coming off of them, in my experience, has typically been two things. One, because it's in the apple family, service berry can be affected by cedar apple rust. And cedar apple rust causes pretty severe defoliation on apples, and it can do the same thing on service berries. So I wonder if somewhere in Pete's landscape there's a cedar tree which has little walnut-shaped things <laughs> hanging on the tips of the branches. And during the wet part of the spring, April and May usually, those walnut-shaped things, brown things, will sprout these long jelly-like orange horns. Those are the spore-making parts of the cedar apple rust disease, when those horns dry up, the spores go over to apple trees or service berry trees nearby, cause the leaves to fall off the plant by mid to late summer. So first thing for Pete is to look around for any cedar or juniper trees. Make sure he doesn't have the little ball-shaped, walnut-shaped things on the ends of the branches. If he does find them, pull them off. Number two, consider spraying a fungicide on the service berry in late May would be a good time to do it. Late May and another time in late June. And fungicides should stop there being any infection or leaf drop from the uh, cedar apple rust, which is what I think is going on with the service berry. We've got time for another one. All right, Keith. Keith is coming on. This is Keith from Conyers. Got a question about a lemon tree. Last year, I put a tomato cage around it and then put a blanket around that and it survived the winter. Now it's like almost 10 feet, 8 feet tall, somewhere around in there. I plan on doing the same thing, but would just covering the base of the tree be good mm -hmm. enough? Or should I cover the top of the tree as well? Ah, great question there, Keith. Probably not. I don't think there's any way to cover just the base of the tree and leave the top open up to the to the weather in the wintertime because if the top freezes, the damage that's done, the decomposing wood and things from the dead 
frozen top of the lemon tree, I think it's going to affect the bottom of the tree so much it'll die too. I think, Keith, you're going to have to have to cover the whole tree. Now, that could be tough because how are you going to get something big enough to do it? You could make a structure out of PVC pipe. I use PVC pipe a lot because it's plastic and it's like putting together tinker toys, really. And so you make a structure out of PVC pipe and put plastic over that to, to protect your lemon tree. And what I would do too, Keith, is put a light bulb, a 100-watt light bulb down at the bottom that you can turn on at night so it doesn't get too hot inside there, but make sure it doesn't, you know, not a 40-watt either. And so by putting a light bulb inside, sealing all the edges of the plastic, make sure no wind gets underneath there, you might want to think of some way you can open it quickly during the day because if, it's sun, if the sun shines on it during the day, it'll get really hot underneath that plastic. But if you can figure some way out to open it in the morning, close it at night, keep the bulb on it, you may be able to protect it, I think. But it's going to be a lot of, lot of work. It's hard to protect lemons without bringing them in. And that's the usual technique is to bring the lemon into the house, keep the temperature in the house fine, and the lemon will usually bloom inside the house. You usually have little lemons on it. Sometimes you harvest them in January or February. That's what I've done myself. So... Basically, no, Keith, you got to protect the whole tree. You can't protect just the base. Wow, that was a great one. What about the sherry? What about sherry, Jason? Good morning, Walter. This is Sherry from Highlands. I wondered if it's okay to prune boxwoods currently or will that cause problems? Some of mine are getting out of control. Thank you so much. Bye. Sherry is smart to think because if you prune later than about right <clears throat> right now, you'll end up having a lot of new growth that comes on in um, September and October. And that new growth is very susceptible to being frozen. And the boxwoods will look really, really horrible <laughs> at the end of the wintertime. So right now, I don't think there's any problem in pruning boxwoods. The new growth that comes on will harden off in October, November, and won't have any cold damage to it, I think, at all. But if you wait much longer than middle of August, you wait until September, wait until October, I think there's just not enough time for that new growth to harden. And if it doesn't harden, then it gets frozen. And if it gets frozen, then the whole boxwood suffers from that. So in my view, we've got to go ahead and get get them pruned now if they're out of control and not wait much longer at all. All right, we got it. All right, we did our first open mic segment of the whole lawn and garden years that I've been on the show. Wow, so much fun. It's 817. We'll be back after this. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Walter Reeves' Lawn and Garden and Dave Baker's Home Fix-It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News Team, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Walter. is a weather forecast brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, high of 92, low of 74. Same thing tomorrow, partly cloudy. High of 92, low of 73. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. Let's go to the phones. Who have we got in here? Randy and Griffin. Hey, Randy. Good morning. Hey, guys. Hey, um, I've, got, uh, I've got four Norfolk pines that 
were planted back uh, many years ago when I was growing up here with my mom and dad. And I don't think there was any maintenance ever done to them. I don't know what could have been done. Yeah. But the one on the extreme right side is totally dead. Later today, I'm going to take a chainsaw probably and, and knock it on out. But the other three are to have some disease and or brown branches, dead branches. At this late stage of their lives, they've got to be at least 30 years old. Is there anything preventative I could or could have done to to I don't really want to have to cut those, but I'm concerned about if there's insects or something that's causing this. I mean, what what, what without seeing them, I know it's hard for y'all to make a yeah, decision. Let's go to the beginning, Randy. You said it was Norfolk Pine. Norfolk Pines are I think it's Norfolk Pines. No, it's it's a big it's a big evergreen plant that grows up up tall. I'm like sorry. Leland cypress or Leland, maybe it's Leland cypress. Okay, yes, okay, okay, good. And so the question is, could you have done anything to help them to not get sick, not turn brown? Yes. What was it? Was preventative maintenance on these? Yeah. Should there have been a prevent preventative maintenance plan from the moment they were planted going forward? Yes. And it might be from the moment before they were planted too, Randy. The what I see on Leland cypresses that fail in Georgia, the ones that seem to be the quickest to get sick, the quickest ones to be blown over, the quickest ones to get cankers and diseases, is that when they're initially planted, not enough attention was given to making them have a really wide area to spread their roots in. They're very susceptible to being dried out in the summertime. And if you dry out a Leland cypress, the bark on the branches cracks and makes it open places for fungi and canker things to get in there and get started. And that's what causes the brown leaves, brown tips of the branches sometimes, and <clears throat> sometimes the leaf spots called uh, sarcos <clears throat> excuse me, sarcospora leaf spot. So by giving a big wide area for the roots to spread out in, you end up making the Leland happier and healthier for 20 or 30 years. But if you don't have a big root system, they get blown over, they get diseases, cankers, and eventually here comes Randy with a chainsaw. That's unfortunate. They, they form a nice privacy barrier, and if you take them down, it's going to take many, you know, there are other, I would, yeah. I'd be looking at other options, but sure. I'm also considering a vinyl fence to totally enclose the back, <laughs> and then now you're talking. Well, that's never a little bit of sick. money. But Those vinyl fences are never, completely disease-free. Yeah, that's right. Just just uh, spray washing that. <laughs> yeah, right. I uh, I think I've learned an important lesson that or whatever you call those privacy trees yeah, or whatever, Leland you just don't go go to your local retailer and buy something, dig a hole, and then plant. You've right. got to think out the, the distance on the roots. Yep, yep. That's and how exactly much shade? Right. There's more to it involved than just plant. It looks good right now. You got to think what's going to be twenty or thirty years down the road. That's exactly right. There's, there's, no. there's Leland cypresses all over North Georgia, particularly in, in counties where they had a lot of building twenty years ago in Forsyth County and coming in um, the North Fulton area where they just put all those houses up there. And you drive down the road and you see, suddenly see Leland Cypress there, dead brown. Leland Cypress there, dead brown. Leland Cypress there, got, black, got brown spots all over it. And almost always that comes from just poor preparation of the soil. Back when they were planting thousands and thousands of Leland Cypresses, not everybody spent all the time they should have with preparing the soil. That's the way it works. Pays your money, it takes your choice. Judy and Dallas will be with us in the next half hour after Mickey Gasway. Judy, if you want to, you can go away from the phone for just a little while. We'll talk to Mickey Gasway and learn what is the pipe pick of the weekend. 404-872-0750 is my number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after news.
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 835, 79.2 degrees outside. It's going to be a warm one today. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. If you have a garden question, go ahead and ask. And if you have a garden question during the week, go to your local Pike Nursery. My friend Mickey Gasaway joins us this morning. Hey, Mickey, good morning. How are you? I'm just great. Thank you, ma'am. Good. We had good, the, good, good. We had the best time. We used the WSB radio app on phones and got an overwhelming number of calls in through the phones, which is just Fun to do. It was great fun. Now what? I don't know what you're talking about. WSB okay. Radio has an app that you can use on your phone. You usually use it for traffic, breaking news, and things like that. Oh. And people can report in what they're seeing. And this morning, we Ashley and I worked it out so that people could call in and ask garden <gasps> questions. And we oh, had lots and lots of people who called in, and we answered their questions on the air. Cool. It was that great. That was a great idea. Yeah, it worked really, really well. Good. Well, that's not what we came here to talk about today. No, we came here to talk about what is the Pike Pick of the Weekend as described and determined by Mickey Gasway. What is it? And it's Coreopsis. Coreopsis is such a great plant. Mine started blooming again last plant. week. There's still blooms on it. They started in the spring. They stopped in the middle of the summer. started again a couple of weeks ago. Great plant. Do you deadhead yours? Yeah, or do you leave well, it? I try to. <laughs> I, yeah, I try to, too. I was hoping you were going to say that. I'm not real good about deadheading, but yeah. I can go out there and I can just cut them off, and they really do rebloom. They're great. Yeah. What's your favorite one? You got a favorite? No, just, you know, they bloom different ones. I've got this is one I got from some seed company a couple of years ago that has rebloomed every year, and I don't remember the name of it now, but boy, it's just lots of big yellow flowers all over it. I love the Zagreb and the ones with the, the fern-like yeah. foliage. Yeah, I love those because even when they're not blooming, they look they they look pretty in the garden. It looks different with all the other flowers that are blooming. So yeah. if you forget to dead ed, then they're still pretty. They look good. And there's another one called Jethro Tull. <laughs> who is Jeth? Who is it? I don't. Well, you know who Jethro Tull is? The leader of the band. A, oh, see rock that and roll one. band. Yeah. Okay. Jethro Tull. All right. Come I, I kind of thought that's what it was, but I wasn't sure. I didn't want to make a fool out of myself. Yeah. Okay. But they're pretty too, and they're the big, they're big yellow ones. They are real pretty. Right. They look great. Do you know the reason it's called Jethro Tull? Tell me. Because Ian Anderson, who is a flutist who plays the flute for, for <coughs> Jethro Tull, um, <laughs> the petals of the Coreopsis on this particular Jethro Tull variety are rolled over, which sometimes people would describe it as fluted, fluted petals. Oh. And so it's named Jethro Tull because the petals are fluted. All right. That's How a about very that? Obscure bit of information for you, Ms. Gasaway. Well, see, I like stuff like that. That <laughs> kind of stuff appeals to me. As long as the plant looks good, then I will know about yeah, it. Exactly. And this one does, exactly. and it's easy. I've got some I've had for several years, and they're still doing well. So. They're great for cut because flowers I, too. If you want to yeah. collect them, cut them with scissors and bring them indoors, they do great for a cut flower. Yeah, if you have that, and you have some salvia, you can always make a decent looking arrangement, yeah. even when you're like me and don't do. 
very well at things like that. But you can make something that looks good. And butterflies so. love them. Boy, uh-huh. a good plant. Coreopsis, yeah, on sale. Yes. 20% off all the pike nurseries, all the varieties of Coreopsis. And they are tough plants, drought tolerant. They are. Just come back every year. So there's no reason not to have a couple of plots or little uh, areas with Coreopsis in it because they will definitely be an addition to the landscape. Great well, I had the big yellow butterflies, the swallowtails all over them the other day. So mm-hmm. they're, they're really good for that. Yeah. So basically soil preparation is normal. Add a little organic yeah. matter, dig it up, make it loose. A little uh, starter fertilizer in there would be nice. And uh, go, to, go to town. Looks good. Looks good. What about classes? How are we doing in classes this week? Well, this week we've got, I've just got one more I'm doing, I'm doing today, I'm doing an orchid class today at Lindbergh uh-huh. at 10 o'clock. Okay. And then we've got several things coming up in the fall, so um, be sure and check them out. Because I think the, one of the things that Pike does such a great job doing is having classes for the public, many of them free, not all, but many of them free. And you just sort of drop in at the time that the class has started. And somebody there knowledgeable will be there to ask questions or answer questions. And you can ask whatever you like. It doesn't have to be about that class. It can be just about anything. As I said, if you have a question during the week, go to your local Pike Nursery and ask the questions there. Because people like you are available all the time to answer garden questions. That's right. And if you want me to come to your garden club or your homeowners association or your church group or whatever, that's what I do. Um, you know, I, I do garden clubs. She is the spokesperson for Pike Nursery. Or yeah, not exactly. Spokesperson, but she is the the garden club face, coordinator, garden club coordinator, and expert and friendly face of Pike Nursery. That's yeah. what Mickey Gathaway does. Yeah, I have a fun job. Indeed, you do. So, Mickey, if we wanted to find out where these classes are going to be, where we get our questions answered during the week, where would we go? To PikeNursery.com. Indeed, we would. Mickey, it's great talking to you. We'll see you next Saturday. See you soon. Bye. All right, Mickey. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750. Judy's in ways so patiently. Judy, 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 I'm so sorry we had to keep you on so long, but let's get your question answered. You can be about your day. Thank you for taking my call. Judy. (laughs) Quick question I have is I have two hydrangeas that I've potted. Um, when is the best time to transplant them, or should I just overwinter them in the pots? No, put them in the ground. They'd be a lot happier in the ground. Why did you put them in the pots in the first place? Well, one of them was one that I got at grocery store hydrangea that I got for Mother's Day, and it was more of an experiment than anything because yeah. I've had no luck in the past, and it's actually growing. So, um, and the other was I was just afraid it was too hot to, to, to transplant uh, okay. now. So, Here's my um, so prediction, think- Judy. The grocery store hydrangeas are different from the normal landscape hydrangeas in the sense that they're bred to be big, huge flower heads on them, but not to be real cold tolerant. So your grocery store hydrangea may or may not tolerate winter in Georgia. But if you like experiments, it's a great experiment. Plant it. Let's see what happens. You never know. It might turn out to be the most beautiful hydrangea in the world in your landscape. Okay. So try and okay. see. The second one, you probably made the right decision if it was really, really hot because putting it outdoors, you sometimes forget to water and forget to water and all of a sudden it's wilted and doesn't have any leaves on it. They all fall off. So in either case, I think it's time to plant now, even though it's still hot, I know. And just keep it out of watering. It's going to cool down eventually. In the next you know, three or four weeks, it'll cool down a little bit and then you won't need to water quite so much. Okay, I have one more quick question. Okay. 
when is the best time to split Lily of the Nile? <clears throat> when did yours bloom? Actually, mine didn't. They bloomed, but they bloomed like at the base of the plant. They yeah. didn't shoot um, stalks. So huh. I'm thinking that they're Fine. too crammed up. I don't know. I just planted yeah. them last year, and I was kind of surprised that I didn't even get a stock. Let's wait till it's a little bit cooler. Wait till uh, okay. the end of this month or the middle of September and divide them then. I think it'd be fine okay. then. Okay, and we'll great. And we'll see how well they do. Another plant is not all that winter tolerant. Sometimes it'll go two years, three years, maybe. But after about three years, I don't expect mine to come back. Oh, okay. We'll experiment and see. Yeah, no, I see them a lot in California. Yeah, so exactly. I know it's kind of a, exactly. It's, yeah, it's but kind here, of a it's tropical. Yeah. Chancy. Okay, great. All right. all right, Judy. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling. We got Christian indicator. Hey, Christian, good morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, so uh, I, I've been listening to your show since I bought my house about a year ago. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I bought my house, and it's got a little creek in the back. And so I've had mosquito issues. Yeah. I've been trying to fight that. Uh, but I had bought uh, some lily bulbs earlier this year, mm -hmm. and I noticed after they flowered, I noticed some dark spots on the, the, the leaves. And I just looked at them, and on the underside, it seemed like a lot of dead mosquitoes what? underneath it. Wait, now, what? Dead mosquitoes <laughs> underneath the leaves of the lily plant? That's what it looked like. Huh. I mean, a, a couple different ones. And I was wondering... Is, is does the lily plant? Is there something with the lily plant that would kill them, attract them? I don't know. Wow, that's a great question, Christian. I can't think of any reason why they would be attracted to it, other than the way that mosquitoes are attracted to anything is by smell. They have really sensitive uh, receptors, but for only certain things. There's a mm -hmm. particular fragrance is called cow breath <laughs> literally called cow breath and huh. somehow mosquitoes love that fragrance and so they use that in some attractions and baits and things like that uh they love carbon dioxide you know that when br people breathe carbon dioxide out the mosquito right. follows the trail into people uh, there's some perfumes and i'm wondering if your lily is mimicking one of the perfume one of the smells that mosquitoes like and for some reason your lily brings them on in because because the smell of the of the flowers or the smell of the leaves themselves has some something attractive in it to the mosquito. That's interesting. Right, but but why would why would I have a lot of dead ones under there? That's that's what I can't. And and can I you just grow more of these and help fight the mosquitoes? <laughs> Christian, this is going to be a fun experiment for you to try because we're going to find out and see. I don't know why <laughs> they would die other than maybe it's a. You know, poisonous plant that brings them in and, and, and kills them, and somehow that feeds the uh, the lily. I don't think that's true. I just pulled that out of my pants legs, basically. Uh, so I have no idea yeah. why a lily would attract mosquitoes, which would die then on the underside of the leaves. Find yeah, out I, I should take some pictures and maybe uh, you can send, send them in. Or yeah, if you, yeah, I'd love to see them. I really would love to see them, Christian. If you can make sure there's Pictures are in focus. That's the main thing. Make sure, make sure they're in focus. And you could okay. uh, send them through my website. Just contact Walter down at the bottom where it has a little button to punch, and it will allow you to send me an email. And that's the easiest way to do it. Uh, just send me the pictures, and we'll see. 
Okay. I like that. That's question. good. Great question. Hey, that makes my whole head hurt thinking about why the mosquitoes come to the lily. Sure does. Okay. Thanks for calling, Christian. All right. Thank you. You bet. <laughs> Bye. 404-872-0750 is the number for the Home Fix-It Show. Dave Baker's here, and he'll be here in the 9 o'clock hour for the Home Fix-It Show this morning. It's 847. We'll be back after this. It's Scott Slade. Did you know you can listen to Walter Reeves on Saturday mornings on your Amazon Echo or Dot? And me too, weekday mornings. Just say, Alexa, play WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Here's Walter. My words but a whisper, deafness, a shout. I may make you feel that I can't There's Mr. Ian Anderson and Jethro Tull. Your sperm's in the gutter, your love's in the sink. That was, I think, the first time I ever heard a flute being so used to play a rock and roll song. It sure was. And you make all your ah, well, there we go. The weather forecast brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, partly cloudy, high of 92, low of 74. Same thing tomorrow, Sunday, partly cloudy, high of 92, low of 73. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. And our last of the open mic questions from Jeff, if you will, Jason. Hey, Walter, this is Jeff from Cartersville. I have three pecan trees that have got a lot of pecans on them. Do I need to fertilize it now, or do I need to do something else? All right, Jeff had a loud truck right there. If you have a lot of pecans on your pecan tree, it tells me that they've been fertilized well before because the whole fertility needs of trees in general, fruit trees including nut trees too, is one that's sort of an ongoing process. You can't just fertilize this year, skip a year, and fertilize next year. You have to get a nice even level of fertility all the time so that the tree doesn't exhaust itself and putting on a big crop of nuts and then next year not have any resources and not have any pecans hardly at all. So for Jeff's question, should he fertilize a well-producing pecan tree now? The answer is yes. And do it usually, it'd be nice to do it before rain, of course, but sometime between August and September, that last of the two or three fertilizations of the year takes place. In general, I recommend fertilizing pecans once in the early, early spring, like February, another time in May, and another time in September. So three times a year, how much to put down? You measure the diameter of the trunk. How thick is the trunk? Four feet off the ground. And for every inch of thickness, that stands for a pound of 10, 10, 10. So if you had a 18-inch thick pecan tree, you say that's 18 pounds of 10, 10, 10. And you put that out underneath the limbs, way beyond the limbs. Sometimes that's where the feeder roots are. And do that three times a year. Again, February, May, and usually September. Try to do it before a rain so that the rain washes the fertilizer in. And at least once a while, once every couple of years, you need to do a soil test. Because the other thing that pecans need is zinc. And if your soil is low in zinc, then your pecan limbs get real brushy at the ends. They're not very productive. So we've tested soil for zinc and also for the lime needs of the tree as well. That's what you do with pecans. Fertilize them, yes. Fertilize them now, and you'll have more pecans next year, too. It's been a great Saturday morning. Ashley Frasca was our partner in crime in doing the open mic segment, which we are going to do again every week if we can. We'll try to do open mic and have people asking questions through open mic. That'll be a lot of fun. Ashley, of course, answers questions off the air. Ashley also 
is a great Twitterer of traffic problems during the week. If you do not follow her, if you're on a, on a regular route into Atlanta during the morning hours, Ashley Frasca has all the details at her Twitter feed, at Ashley Frasca WSB. Jason, My, Jason Byer, of course, kept us on the air and chose the best music in the whole wide world for garden music. We appreciate that. He's being supervised by Paul Bible this morning. Paul is making sure that all the buttons get pushed correctly. Now, on my website, WalterReeves.com, several things you can do, one of which is subscribe to the newsletter. The newsletter makes sure that you know the latest things happening in gardens. I have pictures, I have questions, I have answers. And this week, we featured all the venomous caterpillars that are around in Atlanta right now, stinging people. Be careful. It has pictures so you know what they look like and know what to see when you see them, what to do when you see them in your garden. You can follow me on Facebook, you can follow me on Twitter, you can follow me on Pinterest where I have all the pictures of weeds and things that I thought people needed to know, and also how to control them too. It's been a wonderful Saturday morning, as I said, Dave Baker is here, the Home Fixing Show is straight ahead, and my friends, I will see you right here next Saturday morning, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., the Lawn and Garden Show. We'll see you then.